0: Hi everyone, I'm Kate Lee, a trustee director at 2020 trustees. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Linda Whitney, a partner and senior actuary at Aon. Linda has been at Aon for an impressive 25 years. Her pensions likes range from the techie to the fluffy. Current techie includes GMP equalisation and current fluffy, marketing and PR, Including chairing Aeon's pensions conferences and speaking at other large events. Linda is a strong advocate of mentoring and applying diversity, equity, and inclusion widely to Aeon's day to day client work as well as Aeon's businesses. Outside work, Linda is a sailing enthusiast and has just qualified as a day skipper for small yachts. Welcome Linda, it's great to have you as my first ever guest on this podcast. Hello Kate, yeah lovely to join you. (laughs) So I've got a number of questions for you today Linda and my first one is please could you start by telling me some particular career highlights.
1: So I think the career highlights fall into two very different buckets. There's the official ones, the ones that you put on your CV. And then there's the unofficial ones, the, the things that you're really proud of, but that don't really make it in that sort of format. Um, CV type ones are, you know, things like some of the big transactions, you know, creating a synthetic buy-in, alternative financing, surety bonds. You know, some of those big deals and things that, that people notice. Um, But actually, the things that I'm personally proudest of are often those smaller things. It's the things where you found the right opportunity for someone. You got them into a niche that works for them and that they could really then engage and deliver from. Or it's that group of people the thing you did informally that turned into something so there you know during lockdown you know working on a trustee uh, brochure around diversity equity and inclusion to get the information out there to the wide industry and just share the thoughts and ideas of how you can apply those topics within day-to-day trustee decision making and pensions decision making. Thanks, Linda. Yeah, that, that's a great answer. Um,
0: so how do you think you got to be so successful in your impressive
1: 25 year career? Um, yeah, it doesn't feel like 25 years, I must say. And, and I think part of it is it has kept changing and evolving. I wouldn't still be here after 25 if it hadn't. Um, but in terms of how have I been successful, I think there's a piece about effort and energy, Um, There's a piece about delivering what you say you're going to deliver. Um, But where is it that you are unique? Where are you different? And for me, that has tended to be going where I'm needed. And that might sound a bit of an odd one, but actually, where do people need help? Where are they needing support? Where is there a gap that needs filling? And so often I look at my sort of diverse and wandering uh, directions at different times. And it has been that piece about where is there a gap and where am I needed? And also the success of going, you know what? We've brought somebody on. They're now filling those shoes. And frankly, there isn't that gap anymore. I'm not needed. That's great. I'll go off and do something else. Yeah, and I think that flexibility is so important,
0: isn't it, rather than people who are so sort of single minded and aren't prepared to sort of adapt to to changing environments and needs. Um, Would you mind now sharing some of the challenges you've faced in your career and and how you've overcome them?
1: There's all sorts of things, aren't there, that you can put yeah. in this box. Um there's the moments where you realize that, frankly, you've said yes to far too many things because you're very bad at saying no. um and that in helping people, they're they're all wanting a chunk of that. And sometimes that's just about, as I say, Letting some things go because they are at the right pace for somebody that you've brought on. You've built your pyramid and they're ready, and then that's great. But there are times when you just get to that point where there is too much. And what do you do at that point? And I've had to sit down a couple of times through my career with my manager and go, Here's my diary. What are we crossing out? And actually recognizing that it wasn't always my problem to solve how those things were going to get done, but that actually sharing those problems and kind of saying, look, I haven't got a solution, but I can't do this all. Or what am I not gonna do? Um, at the other extreme, there's been the times when you know, there's not enough and going out there and being open to working in an area where you're not an expert. Um, doing things in a different way or at a different level Um, and using it as a learning experience and going, okay, fine. You know, I'm not I'm not an investment expert. I'm not a DC expert. But at different times in my career, I've supported teams in both of those areas from a marketing perspective and said, well, what are my skills? What can I bring them? Um, The other challenging one, I think, in our industry is some of the alpha behaviour. And how do you handle those difficult scenarios where you're in those challenging situations? And I think on a day to day basis, handling those challenges, um, finding you know the way through. Um, thinking about how you present to those individuals, actually sometimes facing and knowing that that's how they think and presenting in a way that delivers to that whilst having a sounding off person that you can sound off to somewhere else (laughs) um Mm. and at times saying actually you know what that's not the right team for me Mm. I don't work in that way and you know I had a a team I worked with for a while um they asked me to come back to them because they were short of resource and I had to say what's going to be different this time And, you know, there was no reason it was going to be a better fit. And and the reason I left was still there. So it it wasn't going to work. And that probably wasn't the most intelligent career decision when you look at the linear career decision moments. But it was the right decision for my own personal satisfaction. And I think that is part of it. When you're defining both success and challenges, it's against what yardstick.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, and and just to sort of follow up on that, when when you've been sort of dealing with with the alpha personalities, have you found it successful when you sort of adapt to fit in with their specific sort of
1: personality and the way they operate? Some and some. So you know, it's it's not a one size fits all answer. I think there are times when you can uh, present to. Somebody in a very direct way that suits the way they are thinking about the world, and you have to justify things, and the business case needs to be built in that way. And I think, whilst it is at a um, impersonal business case level, yes, I think you can adapt, and I think you can put things in a way that works, um, that, that that gets gets the result that you're looking for. I think when it becomes more difficult is when it feels uncomfortable and it feels oppressive and that is one where it's about understanding who your allies are understanding whether um understanding is not necessarily personal that actually that's how they are with a lot of people and almost trying to sort of depersonalize it um but at the end of the day as i say one particular team I can think of that, that, you know, I I left that team because it wasn't going to work for me. It was never going to change its style, given the people who were involved and, and their style of working. And it it wasn't the, you know, even within a big organisation, you can have little sub cultures in, in different areas.
0: Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. I, I can totally relate to, to what you've been saying at, at sort of certain points in, in previous roles. Um, you've given some really useful tips, actually, so far, Linda, in my opinion, for me and sort of other people in the industry. Um, what What other tips do you have or advice for people wanting to get on in the industry who are quite early on in their career?
1: It's never too early. That's the first one. So it's never too early to be curious about what other people in the office are doing. It's never too early to start building your network, um, where your network may well be your peers. You're not trying to build the network with, you know, the grandees of the industry, but you're building your network with the future grandees of the industry who are, you know, your peer group. Um, and I think those sorts of areas of, of kind of curiosity, networking, taking opportunities try things out you know so um, I can think early in my career of things that I tried that I frankly found I was distinctly average or even slightly below average at and you kind of go okay, I'm not going to make a unique contribution there. That's fine I've tried it. I've delivered what we needed to be delivered but there are plenty of other people who are, Doing that, and I've focused more on the areas where I'm bringing something where it's sort of uniquely me, and it is something where I can um, look at it and go, I know I can make a difference because of the way that I approach this. Um, so an example I give was was sort of some of the early uh, PR work I did, where I was you know taking boring survey reports and writing headlines and and opening intro paragraphs and things for it. And other people were finding it really, really hard and, and really difficult. And I found it relatively easy to go, hey, what's the story here? And suddenly, actually, that was something that I realised was a skill that I had that wasn't natural to other people. And so, that was one element of of where my career then developed whereas the visual basic programming that I was yeah distinctly average at drifted away and and was not part of where I went going forward but I was glad I tried it because I didn't know yeah
0: yeah no I I completely see that when I started out as um, a trustee I thought it important just to test out and, and muck in sort of where where needed and I think only through doing that do you sort of recognise where your skills and expertise lie? So, no, thank you for for that. Um, let's move on to, to mentoring. So, Linda, I, I know that we both share a passion for mentoring. Um, how important have mentors been
1: to you in your career? I think there have been those um, formal relationships with managers that that often also merge a little with mentoring. Um, And then there have also been um, informal uh, senior people on the clients that I worked on who actually were a vital part of of my mentoring um, without it ever necessarily being somebody wrote down and went, This is a mentoring relationship. Mm. Um, So I can look back at those people and the impact that they had uh, without them necessarily having been part of a formal mentoring programme.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so in terms of when people are seeking a mentor, just be sort of open minded and and just have a variety of, of different mentors.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that understanding what you are looking for from that person. So somebody on my client team coming to me and saying, Actually, what I need is more opportunity to write things from scratch. I need more opportunity to present in front of the clients. I need and and that is um, it isn't it isn't a mentoring relationship. It is in the sense of they are willing to come and, and, and ask for those opportunities and, and for me to understand where they are in their career development um, in order to help them achieve that on an existing client. Whereas the more formal mentoring relationships are much more around um, looking more broadly at where is their career going and across the whole of their portfolio, where are the opportunities coming from? But then potentially, you know, where do I need to draw my network to find them an opportunity that's not available to them within the current structure of what they're doing?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And finally, what would you say to people who are considering becoming a mentor or taking on a a mentoring role?
1: Um, Well, I find it gives me enormous energy. That's the first thing. So it's one of the bits that you look forward to in the day. Um, But also, I think it's understanding you should be learning too. So if you're not learning as a mentor, actually, you're probably doing something wrong. Because understanding the perspective of your mentee and where they're coming from and their background actually gives you a different view on, well, when I'm mentoring externally from Aon, um, how other organisations do things. Um, When I'm mentoring internally within Aon, um, understanding, you know, different structures, different ways of working, different um, processes, or even just technically learning something from them that they're working on that they're really intense about well Linda that brings us to the end of the podcast
0: thank you again for joining me today it's been really great getting to know a bit more about you and your career and thank you for all your tips and advice and all your very useful insights into mentoring okay well have a great weekend thank you again really, okay really appreciate no problem it. thanks Kate. okay take care thanks. bye bye